Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. Welcome to Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bumpus. He is Paul Moyer, live from CenturyLink, every Thursday right here on 710 ESPN at 7 o'clock. And Mr. Paul Moyer, these Hawks are 4-0, went wow. down to Florida, handled the, the time change, the weather. They had a crowd for the first time, handled it like pros, made it back. What stood out to you? Well, I, I think a lot. One is I felt defensively, I, I thought we played our best team defense. And that's not a, you know, somebody said, was that a knock on Jamal Adams? I said, no. I, I just thought as a group, yeah. we, we, we played good team deal. We didn't give up any big plays. There was nothing over 30 yards. Um, I thought we tackled well again. I thought our, our pass rush was good. It, you know, he, it wasn't like he was sitting there, you know, patting the ball, looking for receivers. He went back there. He had to get rid of the ball, you know, on, on, on time. You know, and that's what you want. You want the ball to come out now. As a as a coordinator, it's a, you know secondary coach. Now I can start designing pass defense, take away your primary, and now he's got to pull it down. I I feel the pass rush then can get there. I I I, I truly believe we're getting better, and yep. I think we're going to be a decent pass rush team by the by the end of the year. So, offensively, look same old same old. I mean, just pick your poison. I mean, it's DK, it's Tyler, it's DK, it's Tyler, it's DK. This time we had everybody from, you know, Carson, uh, Ty Olson. I mean, everybody was involved. So uh, Freddie Swain, I think he's a guy. You, you, you can't just say, oh, I'm going to take care of those other two studs. You know, he can hurt you too. So offense is just, uh, they're out of pace. It's ridiculous. Man, I watched a film and I saw a defense win – I see linebackers anticipating routes, getting their hands up to try to make plays on the football. That just lets me know that they're understanding what they're seeing. I feel like in weeks prior, guys are running behind them. They don't even feel them. You know, yeah. guys are running across their face. They're not putting hands on them. And I looked at the defense. I saw Bobby trying to get after it. Um, obviously, KJ could have had his hands on, on a couple footballs. Yeah. And then Ryan Neal, the guy who gets bumped up from practice squad, this dude can play football. He did have that. That uh, that pick early than that big hit, but other than that, I mean, he's flying to the football. He's in the right spot. He's showing too high, rolling down, and and playing the mind games with the quarterback. He had a tackle for loss. Like this doesn't look like a dude who was just activated off a practice squad. He's a practice squad guy. I mean, he woke up on a Sunday a week. Well, a week ago Sunday, and hey, you're up. And then Jamal gets hurt, and he makes the the game you know saving uh, interception against uh, the Cowboys. He can play football. Now, it's a small sample size, and I was getting, a, I was going to get a little bold, you know, because I said, look, he can play cover two. He yep. can drop down in the backside of a slot like Jamal does and come up on that tight end and blitz. He does a nice job there. Very good tackler. Um, and, and more importantly, he has a feel for the passing game, mm-hmm. both in pattern recognition and the feel on the quarterback. And I mentioned it uh, with Dave Wyman. I, I go, I don't know if he's been taught really well or if it's just natural. It's probably just natural. There's just some guys who just have that instinct. They just have good peripheral vision. They've got a good sense. He has a good sense. If he keeps playing the way he's playing, I see – us going in more with a three safety set. We mm-hmm. drop Jamal down as one of the outside linebackers. That way we can still blitz without sending the farm. He's you know he's great in the box. 
And now you've got Neal behind it to play cover two. We can drop down and play both Adams and him opposite each other, kind of like a 4-4 four, four set. Yep. And we just call it a 4-2. So you got four down linemen, two linebackers, two safeties. So, you know, a form of a nickel um, set. I, I think he brings something that lets us have some versatility. And, again, we got a game and a quarter with him, mm-hmm. but I really do like what I've seen. I like what I've seen out of him. I also like what I've seen out of Shaquille Griffin the past couple of weeks, yeah. especially this week. I used to watch, when I was with the Hawks, I used to watch Marcus Trufant guard guys. And it was almost like he was running the route for them going backwards. Now, Shaq isn't Trufant, but every now and then I see a little glimpse. I'm like, he's anticipating this. And I think he, and I want to give the coaches some credit. Because when I feel like defenders are recognizing route combinations, that means that they've gotten the scouting report, the coaches have drilled it into them, they took it to practice, took it to drill, took it to team, and now it's showing up on Sunday. That just doesn't happen. A guy doesn't show up on a Sunday, and now he's backpedaling, breaking on the post with confidence. I see a real confident corner in Shaq right now. Yeah, he's uh, he's aggressive too. He's not. I mean, he truly playing some bump, and, and he's mirroring their receivers. What, what's interesting is to watch something on film, and this is one of those as a coach, Joey, go yeah but what if he ran you know an an in and go that he just jumped it and the ball wasn't there man you you can't take that away from a corner you say look this is what we saw on film we know in this situation this is what they like to run they start to run that you trust your instincts now there's a point where you got to feel the rush and is the quarterback going to throw it or not you got to be somewhat careful at times but the other times, you just got to trust what you see. And there, there were a bunch of times where I saw Neil do that. Mm-hmm. I certainly saw Griffin do that. I see Diggs do that. You know, Trey Flowers is the one right now that I, he just doesn't quite have that confidence he had. And I thought he had that confidence last year. Some people would dog him a little bit towards the end of the year, but I thought he had a good year. Um, but I had a coach tell me a long time ago, know your limitations, know your strengths and weaknesses. And if you don't feel comfortable right now doing bump, then, you know, don't get beat over the top. Play a technique that you're comfortable with. And I think that's what he's doing. He's doing a lot of, whether he's in a bump press position or he, or he runs out, he's opening up immediately to the inside so he can see the, the quarterback and be on the outside shoulder of the receiver. He's doing that a bunch. It's going to be hard to stop shorter routes. But that's okay. Last week, we didn't give up any big plays. Yep. It's it's hard to go down the field dink and dunk in 80 yards. Yeah, you make a team dink and dunk. they got to put together 12, 14-play drives, and we all know that bad things happen when guys get tired. Now, let's talk about the old man on that second level, K.J. Wright. Oh, he, he cut that deal two uh, years ago. People thought he'd be good for one. This second year, he'd be gone. He's stepping his game up. Could have had two picks, but I'm seeing a dude who, one, understands what he's seeing. I feel like that's the theme for the defense last week. They understood what they were looking at. Flying to the football, getting his hands on the rock. He says his goal this year is to have five interceptions. We'll see if he gets there. But this doesn't look like a dude who's in his, what, 10th year in the NFL? No. he's Well, we, we know how smart a player and how good a football player he is. And, you know, look, as you get older, you lose a, a half step here and there. It happens. You make up with it with, with you know, just being smart and experienced. The very, do you remember the very first out route? I don't know if you remember it, but uh, it, it was on Trey Flowers' side. And K.J., um, I couldn't tell if he was trying to, to squeeze on the number two receiver. Yeah. But it looked like he was supposed to work towards the out and get underneath that out route mm-hmm. on the number one receiver. And he, he tapped he his chest. Bad. He yeah. goes, my bad, Trey, my bad. Well, guess what? The next side, he was on the other side. He got underneath that one for Griffin. It hit him right in the mitts. Should have had a pick. <laughs> Um, and then the play he made down by the goal line, uh, it was, actually it looked like uh, Bobby got cross. There was three wide receivers to our right, and Bobby was the middle guy, and it looked like he got cross.
cross face. So the guy came inside of Bobby. It would have been a touchdown. Yeah. And KJ was reading it beautiful. He came over and, oh, put the diamond together, my <laughs> man. Put the hands up, man. The, 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 the chapel, whatever you want, a steeple. I'm, I am going to go to practice, and I'm going to go work with him. Go work with him, Because Paul. there's one thing. Look, there's wide receivers and coaches trying to teach them. It isn't the same. Okay? <laughs> They're not throwing it to us. I got to go get it. And I, there's a different mindset when, when you want picks. So I'm going to go work with Bob, or, uh, KJ on that, and he's playing phenomenal. All right. You go work with him. If it doesn't yeah. work out, I'll holler at him the next week. So you he probably gets have to holler at him. <laughs> All right, coming up next, we'll dive into the Seahawks' Week 5 opponent with Matt Collar from the Purple Insider right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hawks Live with me, Michael Bumpus, and Paul Moyer every Thursday right here on 710 ESPN, 7 o'clock. We are in CenturyLink, but right now we get to talk to Matt Collar. Matt, how you doing today? I am doing very well. I can't wait for this game. I'm with you, man. I can't wait either. And, you know, I can't wait to ask you this question either, Matt. Every time I hear people talk about Kirk Cousins, he's average. He's average with his uh, win percentage. He's average with his TDs and interceptions. But then I look at the film, and I'm like, hold up. This guy can spin the rock. He's a veteran. He makes good plays. What is the overall feel of Kirk Cousins down there in Minnesota, or up there in Minnesota, I should say? Well, you know, I think after two weeks and maybe even after three, even though he played well against uh, Tennessee, a lot of people were talking about Trevor Lawrence, which I think tells you a little bit about how they feel about Kirk Cousins. I I don't think that anyone looks at Kirk Cousins and says he's a bad quarterback, but I think that there's a, a conversation about whether you can win with some of his limitations. So we've sort of followed over the last couple of years the Kirk Cousins roller coaster, where it'll be a really good game against a bad team and everyone gets excited, and then they face a big game against a good team and Kirk Cousins comes up short. Now, he did win in New Orleans last year in the playoffs, and he played great, deserves credit for that. But aside from that, he's only beaten two playoff teams in the entire first two seasons that he's been there. And I think that that's where some of the frustration comes from, is that if he gets pressured up the middle, if they're not running well with Delvin Cook, if there's a receiver out, or if anything is going against him, it's kind of you know bouncing the wrong way, you don't expect Kirk Cousins to make up for it. So while he is very, very talented and can put up huge numbers, uh, the question isn't really can he be good in the NFL and make you competitive, it's can he get you over the hump. And now, of course, this team at the moment is just trying to get back in the race. So that conversation, I guess, uh, will at least be put on hold unless he beats Seattle. You know, you look on paper, my goodness, Dalvin Cook. I mean, he is he's a special player. Yeah, Kirk Cousins, we just talked about. Adam Thielen, who's always struck fear in me whenever we played them. You know, Kyle Rudolph. And then we put on the film, and this Justin Jefferson jumps out, and he's beyond special. But this team is loaded, but they're pretty far down the rankings offensively. Is it, is it because of Kurt? What's the, the reason they're so far down offensively with all this talent? Yeah, I think if you watch the right and left guard, uh, you'll see a lot of issues there. Now, in Seattle, you have a quarterback who can make up for some offensive line deficiencies and has done that a lot during his career. But in Minnesota, they don't have that type of quarterback. And so the first two weeks, I think, was Gary Kubiak trying to figure out how he's going to work around the fact that the guards 
are so poor in pass protection. And I would extend that to some extent uh, to their center, Garrett Bradbury, as well, who's been up and down. Basically, if he faces someone really good, he's going to get steamrolled on a weekly basis. And they really struggled in those first two weeks with that. A ton of pressure. And then even in week three, Kirk Cousins was pressured 60% of the time, but he you know, was able to make up for it and put up some, some big statistics. But it's hard to get those guys the ball with so much pressure in his face. And I think that's what's been holding back the offense. So what we saw last week was Gary Kubiak went old school and started doing max protect and sending out only two wide receivers. And I think you're going to see a ton of this on Sunday where Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen were the only guys going out. And so they were trying to use a lot of play action, a lot of run looks and things like that. Uh, Kyle Rudolph stayed in and pass blocked the fourth most of any tight end um, this in, in week four, which you just don't expect that for Kyle Rudolph, who caught 80 passes one season. But those are the adjustments that they're having to make. And I think that maybe even Gary Kubiak was caught off guard a little bit in the first couple of weeks of the things that he was going to be limited by that offensive line. But now they're starting to figure it out. Well, Matt, these organizations have two things in common. The defense is struggling at this point. Now, you guys have Yannick Ngakwe um, that you picked up this year. You have Eric Hendricks, who's been doing his thing. But you lost Anthony Barr and Danielle Hurt. What are you seeing out of this defense that's really making them not perform the way that we're used to seeing? Yeah, and Kendricks has not practiced yet so far this week, so we're going to find out tomorrow what his status is. And then, you know, Harrison Smith got thrown out of the last game on a a uh, little, little bit of a questionable uh, penalty and, and ejection on, on a hit. But, uh, yeah, they've really been devastated by injuries and, you know, guys leaving. I mean, this is not going to be the defense that you remember. I think you guys will be watching the game on Sunday going, who? Who is this guy? What? Uh, because this is not, you know, Xavier Rhodes, Trey Wayans, and all the, you know, Everson Griffins that you've seen for years against the Seattle. So they have – you know, new cornerbacks across the board. You're going to see at least two rookies out there playing at cornerback, which could be a real issue against Russell Wilson and that group of weapons. Uh, they've really, really struggled to stop the run in the middle. They've pretty much been steamrolled because Michael Pierce opted out of this season, and he's a star nose tackle, and Mike Zimmer's defense really is built around that nose tackle position. And you remember, you know, Linval Joseph and how important he was. Well, that was supposed to be Michael Pierce, but he opted out. So now you're dealing with backup players all over the field. And if Kendricks can't play, you're going to be talking about three starting backup linebackers, which could be a pretty serious issue. So this one just has shootout written all over. <laughs> it, it does. We, we've seen those every week. We've scored over 30 points uh, every game. That seems like uh, every play comes down to the last play for the Seahawks. Did, did you guys know about this Jefferson kid? I, I know coming out of LSU and he was first round pick and, yeah, people thought he was going to be good, but did they think he was going to be this good this quick? Because I'm telling you, this guy's he's special. Yeah, so uh, in training camp, we got that feeling. Uh, we knew that it was a shortened training camp, uh, no preseason, so it was going to be tough for him for maybe the first couple of weeks. But it's pretty rare when it's all NFL players out there in the same field and one guy's faster than everybody else. I mean, just moves different. And then just was able to make contorted catches and contested catches at a different level than everybody else on the field, aside from Adam Thielen. But he's even faster than Adam Thielen. And, and that was pretty clear to just us reporters standing on the sideline. So for us, it was always a matter of when he was going to break out, not if. 
And then in week three, they had struggled so much in the first couple of weeks, they basically just threw up their hands and said, all right, kid, it's time to go. And then he gets 175 yards. And the other thing about him beyond his route running, which has been very impressive, he's played outside receiver, which he didn't always do at LSU. That's been really impressive. Down the field work, contested catches. But his personality has really impressed me. After the first game, he had 175 yards. And after the game, he was talking about one catch he didn't make that he was frustrated about. And everything that they've said about him is the kid is obsessed with route running details, that he has stuck himself to Adam Thielen and basically followed him around, you know, like a little kid with his older brother and that kind of thing. And, it, and when you hear that, that's, that's different for a kid to have that type of maturity and to really know the path to being a superstar so quickly as opposed to having to find his way. And so my expectation is that he's going to continue doing this and that even though, you know, the Vikings don't have Stefan Diggs anymore, that they've replaced him with somebody who is very, very talented. All right, Matt, Yannick Ngakwe was a free agent for a while. I thought that the Hawks might have a chance to get him, but you went up and stole him from us. You stole him. He has three sacks and two forced fumbles. What have you seen out of this guy thus far this season? So, you know, he kind of reminds me a little bit of like a Mario Williams where you won't see him and you won't really notice him, and then all of a sudden he makes a big play that's a game changer. And that's what the Vikings need out of this game. Uh, with him they need a strip sack and Russell Wilson does take sacks from time to time and and Gakwe will get one or two plays where you're really blown away by him but he's also limited I mean I don't think that he is like Everson Griffin where he just dominates all the time throughout the game where he's constantly driving your tackle back into the quarterback he's much more of a finesse rusher and if you're going to run at him that's probably going to work out pretty well for you. He is not good at all in terms of stopping the run. And I think as well as he's come up with a couple of really nice plays that pop on film, maybe it's been a little disappointing in terms of his all-around play. And maybe it will kind of grow as he goes along. But you know, if you're looking at the perspective of this year and this game, he could be a game changer for sure. And he has a special talent for strip sack and quarterbacks. But from the perspective of the long term, are you going to pay this guy $20 million a year? After the first four games, I, I'm, I don't know. I'm a little skeptical on that and because of, he's just not really an all-around player. So I expect Seattle to take advantage of that and to run toward his side quite a bit. Matt, you said you're excited about this game. And we, Russell Wilson is, for, for us who get to see him every single game over the last 10 years, uh, uh, unbelievable. Um, What's your thoughts going to this game? Give me your prediction. Uh, my prediction is all sorts of points. Um, <laughs> you know, well, was it Mr. T who predicted pain? I will predict points. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna, I, you know, I, I really do think that the Vikings are a different team over the last two weeks, and I'm picking them mostly for entertainment purposes only. Like, I think Seattle's a better team all around, but not having Jamal Adams in the mix, I mean, this one could be 31-40, or something like that, or, uh, you know, 41-38. I, I think that's what we're looking at, and I'm also really rooting for that just as an enjoyer of football. Like, I would love to see them go back and forth, Wilson and Cousins and Jefferson and D.K. Metcalf, you know, battle of young receivers. 
So I, I think we're looking at something exciting. If I'm being reasonable, I'll say Seattle wins. But um, also the Vikings season is on the line here, though. So if they get a win, it's huge for them going forward. So they'll go in as a desperate team, and I, I do think they have a chance. You know what I, I wish? I wish you weren't allowed to substitute. You had to play both ways. And I would love to see Jefferson and Metcalf go at each other. <laughs> one playing corner, one wet, because they are both tough dudes. All yeah, right, and, and the athleticism there is crazy, man. Matthew, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. We'll see what happens this Sunday. Have a good night, sir. Yep, thanks for having me. All right, that was Matthew Caller. I'm Michael Bumpus along with Paul Moyer. You're listening to Hawks Live. When we come back, we will talk to wide receiver David Moore. Talk to you soon. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bumpus. He's Paul Moyer. In between these segments during the commercial, Paul flexes on me every now and then. Many, many flex. Many flex. But now, Paul, we get to talk to another receiver. Yeah, you and your receivers. Love the receivers. Right, this one I like. David Moore, how you doing today, man? I'm doing pretty good, man. How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Hey, so... uh Remember we did, I don't know if you remember now, you're a busy guy. We did 100 <laughs> yards with Bumpus last year. And I asked yeah, you, I, I tried to go, man, what's your favorite route? And you, so serious looked me in my eye, you said the goal ball. That's all you do, uh, baby. You go down the, the field, you ball. catch the rock, you're doing your thing, man. I'm, I'm excited for you. I like to see you doing your thing. Coming into this camp, uh, there's some receiver competition. I mean, uh, they drafted um, Freddie Swain. You got DK. You have Lockett over there. What was your mentality trying to solidify your spot on this football team? Uh, I really looked. I really went into it looking at it like, "Hey, man, we got some good old boys in this room. It's gonna be one heck of a receiver core." That's kind of just how I looked at it. I just I didn't really think of it as competition. <laughs> I want to look at it as all boys. When I heard to try to get the same goal. Uh, <laughs> and I and I'm guessing competition. It doesn't really matter. I mean, you know, you're on the team. You know, right now you guys are just pulling for each other. Um, I, I charted, I can't remember, it was the first game or second game, uh, Russell Wilson, you guys played, and I charted him, and outside of a go route, there was not one pass that a receiver had to extend his hands out to catch the ball. I mean, he pretty much hit everybody in the numbers, other unless it was a go route and you had to extend your hands. Is there something going on different with Russell? I mean, he's obviously been phenomenal, but my goodness, he's playing at a level that is, is one of the greats of all time right now. I don't know about that. I think he's been he's been able to do the stuff. I think they're kind of just opening up a little bit more of the passing side of it. Um, so kind of get to see really what he's got back there and him really just airing it out, which is pretty good to see. He's doing a fantastic job, that I say. For you, and I asked this Freddie Swain, it was either a week or two ago, you know that you guys have design plays, and I, my guess is obviously it's, it's designed to go to a player or two. But you know, di- defense dictates. Is this a, a team that every play, though, you think I've got a shot at getting the ball? Does Does Russell say, "Hey, everybody's live in this play"? Yeah, for sure. We always practice that way too. So like, everybody's for sure gonna be live. He has his reads and stuff like that. But you never know where the ball's gonna go at the end of the day. Is what they say. So. Yeah, run it like you're getting the ball. <laughs> Supposedly you might end up with it. Okay, so let me talk about that play right before the half last week. Was that designed to go to you, 
or you would just all of a sudden he breaks a pocket and a little bit of a busted coverage and and you're there. So really, that yeah, it, it I wouldn't say it was designed for me. It was designed to really try to get the ball to the middle of the field and get some yards quick. But with Greg running his route and the way our spaces were set up, yeah. The coverage is busted. <laughs> it kind of just helped me out, really. You know what? Get outside the down one. You know what's been interesting, David, this year. Sorry, I'm hogging all the questions for my my buddy, who's the wide receiver. Um, there seems like there is a lot of bus and the teams you're playing, and and I don't think that's by accident. I mean, I, the the play against the the Cowboys and and New England. I, I want to say the one where Tyler Lockett looked like maybe he, they're expecting a deep cross, and all of a sudden he busts it to the post. Is that is a lot of these busts though are just by design? You guys see going into the game that hey, we think this is what they're going to do, and we're going to play off of that. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. That's kind of how we go in at the, at the game plan and uh, shoot, they say play fast and that's what really gets people on the toes and mess defenses up, move around, confuse them a little bit. Yeah, that's pretty much the game plan. <laughs> hey, David, one of the things that impresses me the most about you is your body control. I mean, both of your touchdowns this year, you've showed complete awareness and body control. Is that something that's always been a part of your game or is that something that's developed over the years? I would say I've always had pretty good ball. I'm body control growing up. And then, yeah, gradually as you get older, you get better, I would say. But the more you practice it. But yeah, I would, say, I would say I've had body control, but it's gradually getting better. <laughs> you uh, you had a, a jet sweep last game. You had an edge defender on skates, snatched his ankles, <laughs> got some yards after that. Easy on my defender. <laughs> Was your was your phone blowing up after that? Because I know, man, when I made plays, my boys were texting me and hollering at me. What, what was that that post game like after that? <laughs> uh, yeah, my guys hit me up from back home for sure, talking about <laughs> talking about how I did buddy wrong. But I was just like, yo, bro, I thought he was smash me. I thought he for sure finna kill me. But <laughs> yeah, I had to make some kind of move. Some. So there's a, a st- – oh, go ahead, David. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, yeah, they, they were for sure hitting me up about that. <laughs> that's the fun That's the fun part. I mean, you play in the NFL and, and people think it's bigger in life and then you get pulled down to being humble and reality and your your old friends you hung out with start dogging you on, on text and Twitter. Keep, keep you humble, doesn't oh, it? Oh, no doubt. That's the greatest. For sure. Let me ask you a question on this. Uh, there's a statistic about you guys motion more than any team in the NFL. How does that play in? Is that something that's designed every day, or the for the most part, the motion's already set with, you know, your your basic calls? Uh, sometimes it's set with the call, but the majority of the time it's just to see what the defense is in, staring man or zone or whatever their decent scheme may be. It just helps us out a little bit more, see who's traveling with us or who's staying or, you know what I mean, see if they're rolling back or whatever. Here's an even more important question, David. What happened to the wide receiver dances? Knew you were going with that question. We we, we miss it, man. Well, what's up with the dances? 
I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. <laughs> the thing is, I've been trying to get these boys on on top of it, but it's just like, I guess it's just kind of wild right now with COVID. <laughs> We're not really thinking about it. I don't know, but hopefully, hopefully we kind of settle down and kind of get our, our heads together, think of something. Hopefully well, we can get y'all some Sunday. Well, oh. so so here's the thing. So we, I saw a, a, a clip where uh, Tyler Lockett was mic'd up. And uh, I, yeah. I can't remember who asked him. But he said, how come you're not doing any dance? It might have been Diggs or Adams. And he, he said, why aren't you doing the, uh, the dances? And he goes, uh, I'm, I'm trying to, I don't know if he said intimidate or make them fearful <laughs> of us. I think it was make them fearful of us. You know, Tyler, it, you know, his... His size, I don't know how much fear, but he does. As hey, a get, wide off, receiver, hey, get off the small receiver. I, look, Paul. I'm not. I'm get not, off the small receiver. I'm not saying you're small. I'm saying he's slight. <laughs> but no, but fear is is route running. I just thought it was kind of funny that, and also I think it also says something how focused you guys are and what he's thinking about. He goes, look, man, yeah. this is this is Super Bowl time. I would say that's kind of. I think that's kind of like the bigger reason. We all been pretty focused on really just, like, kind of dialed in. So we hadn't really thought about dances. I'm sure as the season goes on and things are still going good and stuff like that, it'll come around. But it's still at the beginning of the season. We just I feel like we just got out of training camp like two weeks ago. It's kind of weird. You know, it's all off. So, yeah. That's what I think. That's where all the dances are coming in. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna email text you a, a really good choreographed uh, dance <laughs> later, so you you hold all that right. for you, okay? Paul, they don't they don't they're not gonna dance yeah, country. They're not gonna get a line. Why, why, why do you look at me they're and not think country. Do country, Paul? <laughs> I, I've got some stuff. Man. My wife was a sea cow. Come on, man. I I can go to the old. Crazy, yo, I was thinking about doing a little two step here and there. there see, oh, I stand corrected. Thank yeah. you, thank you, Dave. All right, my bad. All I right, got I got you. Before I let you get out of here, hey, me and my producer call you Demo Swag all day. So whenever you make a play, we're yelling Demo Swag, man. We enjoy watching you do your thing and appreciate you taking time, man. I love it. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. David Moore. That was David Moore, a.k.a. Demo Swag. Coming up next, we're going to go across the NFL with no other than John Clayton, the professor, right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hawks Live with me, Michael Bumpus, and Paul Moyer every Thursday at 7 o'clock right here on 710 ESPN, and we are in Century Link. JC, we didn't get no funk for you today, though. How you doing? Uh, good. Hey, we want more funk. We love funk. <laughs> funk is the best. Funk is the best. What do you think of this Tampa Bay-Chicago game so far? Should it be this close? Uh, yeah, because I tell you what, I mean, you can see some holes in both teams. You can see Nick Foles overthrowing guys deep. And, I mean, some of the worst throws on wide-open deep throws we've seen this year. And you can also see that the offensive line is starting to collapse around uh, Tom Brady because particularly in that last series, 
I mean, they got to him pretty well, and it's now got to the point where they're getting you know, a bunch of holding calls and everything else. And so this is, uh, this is an interesting game right now. You know that Tampa Bay came in. They're a little undermanned at the skilled positions because Chris Godwin uh, is was inactive, and you know O.J. Howard had the Achilles tear, and he's out for the year. Leonard Fer, uh, Fournette, you know, they were down with him. I mean, he's just an emergency running back, and LaShawn McCoy, I mean, he was inactive. And so you, know, you can see that, uh, I mean, Brady is doing good things. Foles is doing a lot of underneath stuff. Pretty good football game. You know, John, they used to say, Chuck Knox, he say, don't tell me how rough the water is. Just bring the boat in. I don't want to hear about all those other teams' injuries. I want to talk about our injuries. Yeah. I have a wish list. I need, I need Dunbar healthy. Got it. I would like to have Adams healthy. He but, but I can go another bye week until then. So, Give me a, a nice little injury happy Thursday report. Honestly, because we had what there was, uh, Seahawks had four guys that didn't practice today, and there's a good chance that you're not going to see any of the four. You know, Nico Thorpe probably has a core injury that could be a season ender if he has to go to Philadelphia and get the surgery. Then Jamal Adams is going to miss this week. You know, Jordan Brooks is going to miss this week, and so you know you can kind of scratch that, and then you kind of get a negative feeling right now as far as uh, Leno Hill, Leno Hill, because again that back wasn't any better and he wasn't able to practice today. So with the with the fact that there's a bye week. You know, they're going to be a little extra cautious and maybe buy an extra week for everybody to get healthy because what you can understand is like, okay, you evaluate the talent that's there and you say you got Minnesota coming in. They're a beatable team, but it's still a dangerous team. Yeah. But also coming out of the bye week, there's more important games because you've got Arizona, San Francisco. You've got division games. And so you want to try to make sure that uh, you're the healthiest for the division games because in many ways they might be the toughest that you have in a good portion of the rest of the season. Yeah, we got some tough running games coming up against San Francisco. we still got to play them twice, the Rams twice. There's some other teams that, that pound us. So this isn't an injury question, but I do want to talk about Damon Snacks Harrison. What What's the status there? I know they put him on practice squad. We get why, but when will he be eligible to come and play, and when do you expect him to? Well, he's eligible to be able to come up and uh, go right now. It's just a matter. It's like, okay, is that going to be the right thing to do? He's been on the practice field now for two days. If they see that uh, you know there's enough there, they have the simple thing that they can bring him up from the practice squad. It doesn't eat up a roster spot because they have the extra roster spot, and so they can do that without having to release anybody. And so you know, you figure if anything. Maybe he can help out for 10 to 15 to 20 plays and help in the run stopping if they need it against Alvin Cooks. That's all I think that could be an option right there. And of course, you know, you figure Demarius Randall is going to be taken and brought up if Lano Hill's not going to be able to play. So those could be the couple of moves that they can make, you know, on Saturday to get them on the roster. And then right after the bye week, then you find a way to get uh, Snacks Harrison on the full roster so you can get him ready for Arizona and San Francisco. All right, John, I'm leaving the organization. I'm going out east, the Buffalo Bills. I haven't believed in them since Jim Kelly was the quarterback. And all of a sudden, they're 4-0. They've beaten the Jets, the Dolphins, the Rams, the Raiders. Josh Allen is performing at a high level. Is it time that the nation buys into what these guys are doing? If everybody, if you don't buy in, you're, you're missing something. Because, you know, even though this is a year still where, you know, defense is still hard to be able to catch up and Buffalo's giving up more points than they have since John McDermott has been there, you know, it's still a 
a good defense. They got the pass rush. They got the secondary. They got everything going. But now Josh Allen is going, and he's playing. I mean, you can start to make the argument when you're talking MVP. You know, it's Russell Wilson one, and then you go Aaron Rodgers two, maybe Patrick Mahomes number three. But Josh Allen's probably number four. I mean, he's taken an offense that when he started in the previous years, he never did better than 19.22 points a game. Now he's up to like 28, 29 points. He's got Stephon Diggs able to get the ball deep to him. And so, you know, they got the deep passes. They still got some running. They did a decent offensive line. This team's legit. Embarrassment of riches at wide receiver, the Seahawks right now. Obviously, you know, DK and, and Tyler. And, you know, I think, you know, David Morris played well. It, what, what, is Philip Dorsett, does he get back here this year? And, and if he does, does he does he contribute? He does, but right now, as strange as it sounds, I mean, again, they signed him for the minimum, so it's not like there's a major monetary commitment to him. You know, he might be the fifth receiver because of that foot injury, because it's pretty clear David Moore has established himself as the number three, and Freddie Swain keeps yeah, getting better and better point. every week. So he's number four. So Dorsett could be number five, but still, I mean, if, you're, if your number five receiver can do a four-three-three forty and get downfield. That's not a bad thing. Yeah. So they're, they are, they're the richest on the wide receiving core, which does help. And, again, getting doors set back, you know, again, if it's going to be this week, he was limited in practice today, that could help. John, offenses have been lighting up the scoreboard this year in the NFL. Um, teams have scored 30 points 51 times this season. Do you see this trend continuing, or do you feel like the defenses are going to catch up and slow this thing down? No, I think it's going to continue because, again, you can see now. We'll, we'll see how it goes week to week with the holding penalties. You know, tonight, uh, you know, Kemp, the referee, he's called about four holding penalties. But so far since this season started, there's only 125 uh, holding penalties called and 102 marched off. And so what that does, it gives the quarterbacks and the offense more rhythm because now you're not facing first and 20, second and 15. You can get a rhythm going on offense, and now what you have is 18 quarterbacks on pace to be able to throw for more than uh, 4,000 yards this year. And, and, and we're seeing incredible numbers coming in as far as the quarterbacks. And so, uh, I mean, the ratings in the quarterbacks is higher than ever. I mean, you can see the yards, the points, all those different things. And so you put that all together. I, I don't necessarily see it changing because the game is now set up both with officiating and also with the fact that defenses are behind. Now, again, no catch up to a little bit, but if you're in the NFC, you're, it's going to have to go through this all year. That's why I keep on saying if you're looking at the Seahawks stats, ignore them because every yeah. every team in, in the NFC is going through the same things. I mean, you got 27 points a game plus coming out of NFC offenses, and a lot of that's because you've got 13 quarterbacks that are experienced. 12 of them are making over $21 million a year, and 11 have been to the Pro Bowl. And the only two that haven't been are two quarterbacks who once went to the Super Bowl, Jimmy Garoppolo and Nick Foles. You know, John, I, I, I actually like the – and I'm a defensive guy. I like the less holding calls. It, look, if it's egregious, I, you call that thing. I think the ten yard penalty, putting people back, you know, first and twenty or second and twenty, it's it's just a game changer. It's not even that. It, it also takes if there's a completed pass, it, you know, then it's even a bigger penalty, right? You make a twenty yarder, and you might that's a thirty yard penalty. So I I actually like it, and I'm I'm fine with it moving forward. So I'm going to ask you this question again. What what do you what have you not been asked this week, John? What do you, what's out there that's interesting that we don't know about? 
Well, we know that certainly we you know talk about the bad situation with the Tennessee Titans. Uh, you know what I'm, I, what I haven't been asked about yet is uh, you know what has been the status of the coaches that are on the hot seat. And what's amazing to think that we already got Bill O'Brien fired early in the week. All right, so he's the first. I look at six other coaches. If we put together the Bill O'Brien numbers, it's like those coaches are four and eighteen. Four and 18, and they're all drafting in the top 10. So at this stage, there's at least seven coaches fired uh, either during the season or after the season. And so nobody's asked about that. So that's one that nobody's asked about. And then the other thing is just the, the scoring on offense as far as how pronounced it is, particularly in the NFC, you know, with the 51 games where there's been over 30 points scored in those games. It's remarkable. And the other thing they haven't been asked about is the fourth quarter comebacks because, you know, because of the fact that they're not calling the holding penalties you get rhythm coming back is that you know you've now got uh, you know so many quarterbacks having big numbers in the fourth quarter and there's been 21 22 games that have had fourth quarter comebacks to win john they 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 mocked me a week ago for asking <laughs> that two weeks in a row Fire. it's been my favorite moment yeah that was really good stuff i appreciate that i appreciate that thank yeah. you john plain and simple who is the best team in the national football league today uh, you know, you, you, at the moment, you'd have to say Seattle, even though the defense is giving up, uh, you know, too many yards. But again, the yards are kind of the throwaways because, again, they've had four games with double digit leads in the fourth quarter. And, you know, say what you want about Kansas City. They're great. I mean, Pat, you can still make the argument that Patrick Mahomes may be better overall than Russell Wilson, but not this year. I mean, because Russell Wilson is having one of the greatest stretches of quarterback play we have ever seen in this league. Six touch, 16 touchdown passes in four games, you know, almost as many touchdown passes as completions. It's incredible. But you look at uh, Kansas City, as great as it is for them, you know, they're still only scoring like 28, 29 points a game, where Seattle's like scoring like, what, 37 points. All right, John, we appreciate your insight. As always, keep it funky, and I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> okay, make my funks and P-Funks. <laughs> All right, John, have a good night. Thanks. All right, another week, another Seahawk victory. Coming up next, me and Paul Moyer will tell you what we saw and what we need to see from the Seahawks this week against Minnesota right here on Hawks Live. Hawks, Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer here at Century Link Field every Thursday, 7 o'clock on 710 ESPN. And now me and Paul get to talk that talk. My favorite part of the show. Right, I enjoy this, Except man. when I have Clayton in the opposing preview and when we open up. But this is... Up so there. all this segments prior to... No, okay. Geez, this is my favorite part. <laughs> so what we saw, what we need to see. What we saw, I'll tell you, I saw an offense that is starting to open up in the run game. Chris Carson has 16 carries for 80 yards. I saw DJ Dallas get a couple of carries, and I really like what I saw out of him. He had four touches, but every touch he had, I was like, ooh, that's one of those ooh plays. Yeah. I'm like, ooh, I'm grabbing something. I'm like, ooh, what, what, this young guy has some talent. He caught the rock. He ran the rock. I see receivers who can get it done. I saw DK catch a smoke screen and make a guy miss. A guy his size shouldn't make guys miss. He just runs through them. He showed, like, okay, no, if I, I need to. 33-yard we're on three, a little hitch route, you know, no, it, it probably wasn't a yard throw. No, it was smoke. He took one step, turned around, yeah. got it to him, made a guy miss, got a foot. I think that was a, 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 a RPO on that. Think so? Yeah. It, it, I think we, we're going to play this one later. I started to watch it more and more. Man, that whole thing, everybody was blocking. 
uh, downfield. The receivers, the offensive linemen. I, I watched Dwayne Brown at the end, kind of look back like what you know. So yeah, and that the one person who n- knew it was coming to him was obviously Russell and DK. I guess two people. So I think it was an RPO though. On that one. That's the great thing about RPOs is that er- no one knows what's going to happen. Therefore, you just do what the play says to do. Like, you go ahead, you block this guy, you get there. You turn around, you look for the football. The only person who really knows what's going on is Russell Wilson. That's probably how you have to coach, like, sixth, seventh graders, right? You just do what you're supposed to do. Don't worry about anything else. We're doing that play later, right? Yeah, so we'll talk about it because there's some stuff to that that I saw. Let me ask you this, and we're talking about the the offense. How good is this whole line? And and, and give me – maybe go back to – 2013, 2005, and just talk to me about this so, O-line. Right I now. was asked this question earlier this week. Where are you? And I say the offensive line and Russell Wilson, it's a group project, I feel like. Now, in a group project, you have that one kid who's going to study, who's going to lead the charge, who's going to organize it. He's going to be the talker. That's Russell Wilson. Then you have the other guys who are good at something, and they just contribute. Now, this offensive line is playing better than – previous years but i also feel like russell wilson is such in control of the group project Mm -hmm. that he makes them look better than what they really are they are better than last year now the bar was set pretty low last year but they are better than last year but i think russell wilson makes it go and i think that the contributions from the o-line are going to start getting greater and greater every single week i think they've been playing better so let me expand on that all right um you say they're better than last year, but you kind of like not that much better. But break it down, run game, pass protection. I mean, right now, I mean, Russell's averaging like 3.1 seconds a throw yeah. or something. I mean, it's ridiculous at times. So just break it down, uh, run last year, pass this year. All right, when it comes to pass <clears throat> this year, um, his right side, I feel, is a lot more secure than it was last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like... Russell is stepping up in the pocket and he's keeping his eyes down the field like a veteran quarterback. But I feel like that right side feels pretty good. That left side is going to be fine. Dwayne yeah. Brown, your potty, as long as he's healthy, he's good to go. Now, as far as the run game goes, I don't think we've even seen what they're really capable of doing because they haven't really asked these guys to do much. This is a zone run type team right now. They don't pull a lot of guards. They don't, they don't GT pull that stuff. They say, look, put a man on a man, get to the second level and go. So I think that as the season goes along, I'll see more from these guys in the run game. But I focus on the pass game, and I think that the right side is secure, and Russell is a, is patient. And he's patient, and he's on time at the same time. It's weird. It's like yeah. he's not going to force anything, um, but he's going to make the right decision. He He's making them look better than what they are, I think. Yeah, and he knows when to get rid of it on time. Yeah. And then he also realizes, hey, I've got six guys in. We've got these protected i'm i'm gonna extend and let these deep routes go as well i, I, I think it's been pretty impressive. runs the numbers he runs it, the numbers it's it's um yeah it's impressive yeah i mean russell is playing at a level it's just it's it's insane to me well one sec bump so you talk about the right side of the line the difference here right is we're talking about can you not hear me no you sure well, yeah you're well on, you're on well is he on he, last last week he hopped in and we couldn't hear him. But yeah, but was it was on. on. Yeah. Okay. Well, never mind then. So go <laughs> go go ahead then. Never mind, Paul. You you break it down to me. No, I I the reason why I'm I'm thrown out there. I I think our offensive line is so good, and why we're running 
are throwing the ball so much, it's the protection. I think we can run it all day. Matter of fact, one of our colleagues today, I won't call him out, he said we need to run it more. I'm like, we're, we're scoring over 30 points every game. Do we really need to run it more? I mean, it really is a byproduct of what the other team's doing to us, right? If we can throw it, look, if we throw it 60 times, don't run it once and score 40 points, we don't need to run the ball. Yeah. But do we, do we need to run the ball more? No, I think if there's a need to run the ball more, it's just to get a guy like Chris Carson, just keeping him engaged. Because you get down to the goal line, there's a couple of times week one through three, they got down to the goal line and they're tossing it. And now if I'm a running back, we're doing all this work, we're grinding to get down there, it's my time to shine and let me finish this off. So I feel like if there is a reason to run the ball, it's to kind of keep the morale of that running back room up. Yeah, you know, I I think it's just called efficient running. You know, we're, we're, we are different. We're a different team. It's a different philosophy. It's not about controlling the clock anymore. Um, it's about let's go ahead and score. It's really interesting. I think in the past we've been a team that said let's reduce the amount of possessions for the other offense. Yeah. Let's play great defense. And now I feel like it's almost the opposite. Like, no, let's just get back out there. Let's get our offense as many opportunities as possible. We're going to score points. And I'm almost to the belief of this is where philosophy comes. This is what would be an interesting conversation with Pete Carroll and, and Ken Norton is, hey, Go ahead and take some chances, mm-hmm. and and if you if they score quick, I, we I don't care. We, we want to get right back on the field. We're going to score again, anyways. That's a completely different mindset than what we've had in the past. Okay, so now we're we talked about what we saw in this offense, and you say they don't need to run the football. So offensively, what do we need to see? Is there anything that we need to see offensively? <laughs> We're scoring over. We scored over thirty points every game. So we're good. So no, we're not. So what, what can we improve on? How's that? I, I think the running game's there. If you want to let us run the ball thirty times, I, I think we can well, have one hundred and fifty, two hundred yards. I, I believe that. We, we got to convert more in third down. Okay. It's the one weakness we've had, yeah. which is kind of surprising. Um, but I also get. It. I mean, third downs are are weird. I mean, it's just sometimes you feel pressure on it. Sometimes you, you're running routes always to the sticks. Um, you're going to have to mix that up a little bit. There's other teams that say, hey, fine, we're going to we're going we're gonna to give uh, we're, we're going to convert at 30 percent. We're going to force you at 30 percent. But we may give up a touchdown on one of those. So there's just that cat and mouse chess game where we are in the field and in the, in the game. What are they doing? But we're completing, I think, 38 percent where it's pretty low, which Thirty-eight percent used to be middle of the pack. By the way, thirty-eight <laughs> percent now you're almost at the bottom. Yeah, uh, there is. Uh, I can't remember. I think the Cowboys they were con- converting over fifty percent on third down. That was unheard of. That was that was impossible in the old days. But now it's it's happening. So I, that would be my one. If we could do that, because there's really not been very many teams that have stopped us. We've stopped ourselves with penalties, a few drops here and there. Um, you know, a couple weird. You know interceptions, but other than that, I think we're we're awfully good. So now I go over to the defense. All right, bring it on. And now what I think, or what I want to see from that defense, or need to see, I should say, to stick with the the theme of this whole thing, is uh, it's not a secret. Just more sacks. It's simple as that. Because they're getting quarterback knockdowns. They lead the league. They're getting turnovers. Second in, uh, second in league in turnovers, especially interceptions. Six interceptions. Seven is the next best. So they're right there. Now you throw the football and. 
because they're getting interceptions, it leads me to believe that the pressure is getting to the quarterback because most intercept- interceptions are Aaron throws mm-hmm. because the pocket is collapsing on them. Right. I just need to see more sacks. Now, we started the season in the middle of the pack when it came to sacks. Now I think the leader's like at 17 sacks, and we're like at six, you yeah. know, seven. Um, so it's the same old story to me. It, before Miami – I would say I need to see the linebackers get more depth and really understand the route combinations and, and tip the football. We, we saw Car- Cody Barton tip a football. We saw KJ get his hands on a couple. Bobby was close. But after this, I'm just like, okay, well, I feel like that's fixed. The back end is fixed. We got two picks last week. Um, should have had four. Should have had four. Maybe five. Yeah, but defensively, I'm like, just get after the quarterback. What do you need to see? Yeah, I, you know, sacks are kind of like interceptions. Sometimes they're just hard. You know, Miami, it, coming into the game, he'd only been sacked five times. Mm-hmm. You know, so the ball's coming out quick. He gets back. He's throwing it. He doesn't care. Once he hits his back foot, talking about Fitzpatrick, it could be a dump off to the back. It could be, you know, just a, a three-yard hitch route. They're They're hard at times. To me, I just want to see the the pocket collapse. I want to see the ball come out on time because now I can divide, again, d- d- uh, design my defense around it, my pass defense. So I'm okay with that. I want to see quarterback hits. I want to see, you know, I don't want them holding the ball for 2.83 seconds. That's bad. Um, I, I feel better about where we're going on, on defense. And, again, if we could take the fourth quarter away, I know we can't. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to have something for Sunday. What we give up uh, first first quarter, second quarter, third quarter amount of yards and first downs, and fourth quarter, the fourth quarter we we just got to figure out something philosophy wise. But I bet there's not one team in the NFL right now who's had a double digit lead every single game this year, but the Seahawks. As usual, we got it all figured out. We just listen to Michael Bumps and Paul Moyer, and we're good to go. <laughs> I'll get our podcast numbers later. There we go. Coming up next, we'll go inside the film room and revisit the biggest plays from the Seahawks' victory over the Dolphins. That's right around the corner right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Hawks Live on Michael Bumpers along with Paul Moore every Thursday right here on 710 ESPN. Hey, Paul, that was Will Smith getting jiggy with it, that song they were playing. Wait, right you there. think I don't know I'm Will just, Smith? Just in case. Just in case. Was that? Did, did you know that, though? Were you even born when they were doing that? Seriously. <laughs> getting jiggy in, in 2000s? Come on, man. I How was born were in 2000. You? How old were you? It doesn't matter. But I was. <laughs> you were in diapers. No. Paul. I'm an 80s baby. I wasn't in diapers. Well, I mean, some people wear diapers to like 16, <laughs> 17. You never know. All right. Well, let's get jiggy with these plays then, Paul. <laughs> okay. right, the first play we're going to look at is Russell Wilson finds David Moore on a 57-yard touchdown set up. Excuse me. Let me try that again. Russell Wilson finds David Moore on a 57-yard setting up a touchdown before the half. Four-man rush on first and ten. Now Russell's going to scramble left. Looks, going to let it fly downfield. Got a man out there wide open making the catch. David Moore knocked out of bounds at the five-yard line. Russell Wilson extends the play as he does. And David Moore just got wide open down the near sidelines. And Russ laid it out there perfectly, throwing left, rolling left, that is, and throwing with his right arm a 69-yard hookup. I'm going to leave that to you. No, I, I I was thinking this is perfect for you. You want to leave it to me because it's a complete bust by the defense. Exactly. Here's what's impressive about this, though. There was about 24 seconds left on the clock, and the offensive coaches went to Pete and said, we, we want to push this. Mm-hmm. We think we can score. 
There's 24 seconds left on the clock. Most people are running it. Let's see if we can have a play. And we, we had David Moore on earlier, and we asked him about this play. And he said, we were trying to work the middle of the field just so we could get some yards, maybe get to midfield. And I think they were just hoping maybe they'd get a field goal. Yep. Uh, we got three wide receivers to the right. Uh, it, it's just a bust. It's a th- I, I think it's a three-deep zone. They dropped the safety on the weak side, which I have no idea why they did this. There's nobody over there. Uh, but this is just a dumb defense and the left or the, excuse me, the right corner goes on an in route when David Moore's the outside receiver runs a go. I don't even know how to explain this other than most of the time the guy has one more chance for he's on the street. But I, I think again, what what's so great about this play is it's Russell Wilson, always looking downfield, always looking to push the ball. David Moore, who wasn't the primary, we asked him about that. There was probably was Freddie Swain or somebody in the middle or could have been Olsen, but you'd never quit with Russell Wilson. Every guy is live in the play. And this is huge. I mean, this ends up becoming a touchdown. This is why you always run your routes hard because you never know, especially in this office, you never know when you're going to get the football. Now, to me, I look at this defense. It's supposed to be a three-deep zone. That corner took the bait. I want to say Olsen had two or three catches prior to this on that same route, and he's trying to do someone else's job. One of the main things my coaches told me growing up, do your job. Mm. Don't worry about his job. Don't worry about their job. Do your job. This corner is trying to be a hero. He jumps on Greg Olson's route, which is about a 10, 15-yard end. It's a tight end. It's a tight end. There's 24 seconds left in the half. And what does Russell do? Gets outside the pocket, extends the play, makes the defense pay for their mistake. Easy catch by David Moore. All David Moore does is catch goal balls anyway. So there you go. What do you call him? Demo swag, baby. Yeah, there you go. Demo swag. All right, the next play. Shaquille Griffin intercepts Ryan Fitzpatrick, setting up a Chris Carson touchdown. First and ten. Fitzpatrick is going to throw inside. Ball's picked off. It's Shaq Griffin. Here he comes. Back to the right side, across the 40, down to the 35. Knocked out of bounds by the Seahawks bench inside the 35-yard line. Shaq Griffin comes up with his second interception in as many weeks. Fitzpatrick throws his second pick of the day, and the Seahawks are back in business to really salt this away with 4.16 left to play. Man, this is good stuff. So... You asked about sacks. Mayoa comes off the left edge here and fantastic rush. Push pressure on Fitzpatrick. He's got to step step up, make throw. But this is a three-man rush. Yep. Uh, Shaquem is kind of a spy. Maybe he's looking for a check down here as well because, you know, Fitzpatrick did, did run the ball well. I mean, he, he could scramble. But this is when I'm starting to feel Shaq Griffin mm-hmm. because this is a three-deep zone. It's it's kind of a classic where they're, they're running kind of a, what we call a skinny post or what we, a skinny route right on the numbers. Um, he he trusts his instincts. He undercuts this thing hard. Now, some coaches say, don't go until that ball's thrown. He's starting to break about the time the ball's thrown. This is just a fantastic interception. Uh, by the way, i got to give props to K.J. Wright on this, too. He yes. reads this route. They, they've got three wide, receiver, th- three wide receivers to our left. KJ immediately opens up to it, oh. and he runs with this deep crossing route. And this one of our weaknesses. Um, this is when I feel like we're starting to understand these these pass concepts better. Yeah, I look at this play, and defensively, it's beautiful. You mentioned KJ. I look at Bobby. Bobby has eyes in the backfield. He drops to his zone. He tries to get a hand on it. Ugo Amadi has to flat. He reroutes number two, gets to number one. Shaq saw number one go in. 
And he's like, he's no longer my responsibility. Now I get to freelance yep. a little bit. He saw number one go in, locks on number two, and then rolls the dice and rolls seven on the come out. This lets me know one. This is one of the or this is one of the plays that I watch and I'm like, this defense is understanding what they're looking mm-hmm. at, and if they can continue to play like this, they're going to be tough. Now I would love to be out there and hear the communication. In and in and over the top, you know, just this that type of stuff that people don't get to hear. That now it's not like basketball where you're gonna be able to talk to each other the whole yeah, it's very the whole definite. play. It's it's a little bit here in. You it's, know, it's, it's 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 um how would I describe it? it's it's um I it, I don't know I, I'm I'm drawing a blank on the word it's it's like more of association. Yeah. You, you say something I didn't really hear the end. I just heard. Uh-huh. A sound, right? Which uh-huh. means you're talking to me. Which I, I said, okay, I've got an in route, a shallow in route with that uh, in, uh, outside receiver. It, so there's that kind of communication because, yeah, I'm not having a conversation yeah. with you. Uh-huh. You know, it's, it's it's a different language. But you're right, and and as weird as that is, you you pick that up as an offensive guy to teach that to defensive guy. Sometimes it takes a while. Yeah, you know, it's just again, it's hey, chemistry. You got an out route. What? what Hey, you've got an end co- or a turn coming in b- behind that. You know, uh, you got a, what we call a china or a little uh, dagger move. Oh, you got a seven route behind. You know, you just start picking up on that. And then once you start reading that early, that's when interceptions came. I got a lot of interceptions from that. <laughs> <laughs> flex on them, Paul. Flex on them. Let's, speaking of flex, this next one's a big flex. A big boy flex. This yeah. next play, Russell Wilson, his DK on a quick that takes – 32 yards after a stiff arm. And a slot far side, quick throw far side. Ball is caught by Metcalf. Makes one man miss, that's out of a tackle. Turns upfield, down the sidelines, knocked out of bounds by about the five-yard line. I think he was knocked out of bounds. He was, but down to the one. Wow. He actually stayed in bounds that long stride of his, and he stepped out of a tackle back near the 25 and just raced down the sidelines. On the right side, almost scored. It's going to be first and goal, Seahawks. Now, Paul, you pointed something out to me that I didn't really see prior to you saying that. You said that was, this was an RPO. This sure. might have been just a check with me. Could be. Because just the, the wait, way wait. this thing is this set up, like the slot is blocking, the other receiver is blocking, Carson thinks he's getting the ball, he eases up after two or three steps. I think that watching film together, they're like, look, DK, we get this look right here. We got this plan. If they're going to play you seven yards off in this situation, I'm just going to turn in and get you. Because these linemen are still getting downfield. Well, but it's what I mean. This is a run. And and so, funny, you just said check with me. The old days check with me was you would look at a defense and you say, well, if they're overloaded to the left, check with me. I'm going to run it to the right. Or potentially I could audible to to a pass. In this particular play, they got six guys on the line of scrimmage. We re- – we actually, if we stayed with the run, it's there. Yeah. And, and, and partly because I think it was Dwayne Brown and a potty did such a good job on this zone um, run coming off. There's a play there. Yep. But he goes, all right, I got a chance here one-on-one. They've got six guys in the box with a middle linebacker. There's seven guys up. I've, I know that Tyler Lockett's going to block the slot guy. So it's one-on-one. Yeah. And with DK Metcalf, if I can get a one-on-one, Maybe the one time he, he, he tackles me for two yards. But then I get this 30, which really to me was a touchdown. And and that's all it was. It's, it's the simplest play in the world, yeah. right? You watch this play. This was a run play. 
everything's going to our right, the defense, excuse me, the defense right, our left. No one knows the ball was thrown except for Russell and DK. If this was a check with me play in 2014, does Russell have the freedom to do that? Um, yeah, I think he has the freedom. I just don't know if he goes, oh, that horse out there mm-hmm. can go the distance. Yeah. You know, maybe he's throwing it to Bobby Ing- or not. You know, Bobby wasn't with us. That Bobby's point. with me. Oh, seven, oh, eight, we got uh, who? Who we got in 2014? Baldwin. We got Baldwin. Uh, maybe Baldwin's probably inside on the slot. Um, look, DK Metcalf is. If he doesn't knock on wood, if he stays healthy, this guy's going to be one of the great ones of all time. He's going to be one of the great ones in that play. Just added something to his arsenal. One he, yard throw. He can make a guy miss. Goes thirty-two get yards. His knees up. Thirty-two. Yep. I'm Paul Moore. He's Michael Buffett. Don't forget Nasa Choby controlling this whole thing. Coming back, we will go around the NFL right here on Hawks Live. Hawks live every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. I am Michael Bumpus. He is Paul Moyer. This is Hawks live every Thursday right here on 710 ESPN at 7 o'clock. We are at CenturyLink, and now we're going around the NFL. And the first thing I want to talk about, Paul, uh, the Tennessee Titans got themselves in a bit in trouble. Uh, They had some guys test positive for COVID and They're supposed to shut things down, but these men got together and wanted to practice. And I know the public is like, what are they doing? They need to understand it, which I I understand as well. But you also have to understand, you have to prepare to play an NFL game. This ain't the NBA where you can take two days off, not practice. You have to prep and show up. So I understand why they did it, but they got to follow the rules. Yeah, it's not like soccer where you take a month off and go out and play the next day. I mean, you got to actually practice. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. I love soccer. Um, no, you don't. Yeah, I, I do. I actually like the Sounders. Um, look, I, I just think it's so complicated now. You know, you've been around each other since July, right? And pretty much the only people you've been around is each other. And a couple people test positive, and you're, you want – I remember doing that on a strike. We we all got together. We weren't even supposed to. We were grabbing plays, and we, we just wanted to get ready. I mean, that's what you're accustomed to. And I get this is such a different time, and they're young men. You know, I mean, we're all fallible. I, I, I believe that in life. You have grace, and you teach, and there's learn, you know, learnable lessons along the way. This is one of them, and we're just, we've never gone through this before. And it's just one of those, look, if you guys want to play – it's not about you being sick. Yeah. It's about there's a process today that if you test positive, you have to quarantine yourself. And so I don't know what's going to happen. It would be interesting if they end up having to forfeit. Right now it looks like they're going to play on Tuesday. That throws all kinds of schedules out. It's going to be a weird time. I appreciate Tuesday football. I'll take it Tuesday. I know Look, it Monday, Tuesday, the NFL. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'll take it. I'll take it too. Every day of the week. Especially with you, how your Lakers doing. Hey, championship. Here's my problem. So I'm real quick going to get off subject. Okay. Heard you say that. Man, I just, I don't know. I don't, it, how many, how many play? they got one guy on the team they drafted? Are they it wearing, feel, are they wearing yellow and gold? You and I were, I had Laker fans. It are, just feels different. Yeah, it does feel different. Right, I, let's I get agree back with to you. NFL. All right, all right, NFL, Bears are 4-1. and one. I Go figure. They just beat Tampa Bay. That's good. By the way, Tom Brady just threw his surface thing and broke it. I <laughs> think he can afford to buy another one. Um, 
I'm for every great quarterback in the NFC right now to lose. Tom was one of those. Um, <laughs> I think we could take Chicago. They got a fantastic defense. You put Foles or Trubisky against Russell Wilson, I'll take that all day. Okay. Aaron Rodgers, your boy, your favorite quarterback in the league. They you know are 4-0. They are. They're you a problem. Might, you say you don't like his arrogance, like his, his technique, but the like dude has 13 him. touchdowns, like zero picks. He's playing well. Not playing as well as Russell, though. He That's, doesn't is, – is, uh, uh, completion percentage isn't as good. His yards per attempt isn't as good. He doesn't okay. have as many touchdowns. Um, his uh, QB rating's not as good. His QBR, I, I think, was a little bit better. Uh, look, I'm just not a fan of him. But the reason why I think they're a problem, they don't even have Jam- or, uh, Jamal Adams out there yet. Yep. Not Jamal. Uh, or Jamal Adams. Um, Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams. They don't even have him out there yet. Um, they have a good defense. They're playing really good football. Aaron is he looks happy he's smiling for the first time he never smiles I mean he's a guy that I I really thought hated football he's just out there playing because he has to he's actually smiling now so they're a problem we need I I think 15 and one is what the Seahawks are gonna have to do if they want home field advantage all right all right Bill O'Brien bye-bye about time he was fired but his winning percentage is better than any other Texans coach that was before him. Well, I mean, they were expansion team. There's not a lot of uh, people before him. Here's what I will say about that. I, you try to be a GM head coach, it just doesn't work. It's just too much. I, there's just too much going on. I run a business, and you have to have other people doing things for you. And I only got, you know, 20-some employees. You have that much you set them up for failure. There's outside of Bill Belichick, there's not been a successful GM head coach. Bill Belichick, pretty good, has a tree of coaches. Yeah. Everyone goes out at some point and does their thing, but no one really has success as a head coach. As a head coach, right? As coordinators, that's different, right? How much longer does Matt Patricia have in Detroit? I, he should have a week. <laughs> I, I don't know why they picked him. Look, he's a slob. I, I I'm a big believer in. You can't tell your players to be in the greatest shape of your their lives, be disciplined, and then to walk out the way he does. I, and I go, you haven't earned the right to be a jerk like Bill Belichick. <laughs> and he's a jerk to the media. I, I just, to me, he goes. I, I just, he lacks leadership. He may be a great ex and I heard he's a brilliant guy. That's fine. There are people who are defensive coordinators, offensive coordinators, assistant coaches. To be a head coach, you are managing running a company. He doesn't know how to run that company. Run a company. Dan Quinn, does he know how to run a company? Oh, now, man. we love this guy. We do. Great That's years out here in Seattle. But at some point, it's got to start up top. I think this offense is playing well, one of the best offenses in the league. But defensively, it's they're hurting. And he is the defensive guy there. Yeah, they should probably at, at, at they should have at least two or three wins. Um, look, I like Dan. He went to the Super Bowl. They should have won it. If they had have won it, he's got all kinds of grace here, right? Sometimes it's just you need a change. And unfortunately, as good a coach as he is, as well as as much as he's liked, as good of a leader he is, uh, I think his time is is coming up. Hawks have a chance to go 5-0 and for the first time oh, in franchise history. Crazy. How wild is that? Yeah, I mean, I had a 12-4 and year. We were 12-2 and at one point and won eight games in a row. It's pretty special. Um, there have only been two other times we've been 4-0. You know, that goes back to 2013. So, 
pretty special. And, and we need it. And here's why. We got Arizona coming up after the bye week. We got them twice. We got San Francisco. We've got the Rams. And we've got another tough Buffalo. Yep. That is a tough five-game stretch. So we better be 5-0 and because there's a chance we come out of this 7-3, and 8-2. and 8-2. and two. I, think, I think they can and they will go 5-0. and Primetime football. Great you know how the you know the Hawks always get up for prime you time. Do. Why not do it against the Minnesota Vikings last time they were here? They got it done. Let's 40 41 38. Something like that. Dude, who who won last week's prediction? Your boy. About time. Let's go. So between us, we got all four wins. I don't like the way that sounds though, because you got three, I got one. Uh, yeah, we got them. Whatever the math we is. We're but, teammates. Nah, we're like we're partners. I, I'd rather say I knocked you off your winning streak. Now I'm the top Look, dog. everybody has a supporting role. <laughs> hey, best supporting actor right here? You're it. Best supporting actor. Look, and I get the Oscar for best actor. Okay, yeah. It's that, good. That sounds we're good. We're both paid well. Hey, as long as, we, as long as we're paid, I'm, Bingo. I'm, I'm good with that. I'm good right. with that. All right, coming up next, we will give you our final thoughts and give you the keys to the Seahawk victory. Coming up next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hawks Live every Thursday with my guy Paul Moyer. I am Michael Bumpus, NASA Chobie, controlling this thing. Have you ever wanted to be Paul Moyer? You know. Have you ever said you're Paul Moyer? You know, once or twice I've said that. You know why I say that? Because all I want to do is... Turn and run on the cover three and go get the rock and intercept. What's an interception in the NFL feel like? Feels Paul good. Moore? Does it? Feels good. All right, cool. Some cool. feel better than others, but you know, they're all they're all good. Even if it's like a tip. You know, a guy tips it and you happen to be there. But my favorite interception, we're playing uh, back then it was the Houston Oilers. Okay. We're now Tennessee Titans. <laughs> um Warren Moon is a quarterback. And Warren used to do this play. They did the run and shoot back then. And, and Warren would drift to his right mm-hmm. and to pull the safety and then come back left, or my defense is right, but his left, and throw a, a – it was a post route, but it was where you really couldn't get there as a safety if you drifted at all. Mm-hmm. I worked on that all week. I was ready for it. I was ready. And I'll be darned. So we're – I think we're up or down by three. There's about four or five minutes left in the game. And he slides to his right, and I, I start to go. Because it's like, oh, I, it's just a natural thing. Yeah. And also my brain kicks, and I go, there oh, no. And, and thank God, I mean, one million nanosecond later, if I don't do it and come back, it's a touchdown. But I do. I come back, pick that bad fella, got my diamond hands right there. Took it down the sideline to about the 40-yard line. We ended up going down, kicking a field, I think, to win the game. Nice. Yeah, it was good. You know what my favorite touchdown was? Give it to me. My only Look, one. everybody has. So Not nice. everybody has one. And, and Matt didn't even want to throw it to me, Matt Hasselbeck. He, he didn't? He pumped me. He's like, I don't want to give it to that rookie. He looks back. He had no choice but to throw it. Threw it nice and low. Made a catch. Yeah. Boom. I remember. I was there. You were there? Yeah, I told Matt. I said, Matt, throw it to the, throw it to the bump. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. My, All right. My other two touchdowns. <laughs> Seahawks. <laughs> Flex on me, Paul. What do these guys need to do to win? I, to me, it's simple. Dalvin Cook. He's the leading rusher in the field. 424 yards, six yeah. touchdowns. Uh, he's broken 21 tackles. 
they can't let him get loose. Yeah. I think they are they are the number three rush defense in the league for a reason, averaging, what, 75 yards, I believe, the Hawks are giving up on the ground. They have to be that defense. To me, it's real simple. Dalvin could control them. Yeah, it's it's not the yards per game, though, that has been impressed for the CS. Yards per attempt. You know, we, we've done a really good job against the run. I, I think we're we're stout, but we haven't – again, when you're up two t- double-digit points – in the fourth quarter and teams are having to throw on you. I, I don't know what that means in the fourth quarter. Cause that's when, you know, it's, it's men versus men there, right? Now yeah. it's, it's a slug fest. You're tired. So we'll see how we hold up there, but you're right. I think cook last year, I don't know if he, I think he got hurt in our game last year. So we didn't get a full yeah. um, game with him. He's special, but man, they are loaded. I, I think this is going to be a high scoring game. Again, you got Dalvin Cook, who's one of the best. Not, I don't want to say the best. He's one of the top five running backs in the league. This Justin Jefferson, rookie out of LSU, special. wide receiver, really special. And the reason why I say that is Adam Thielen was a guy that everybody wor- worried about. Adam looks average versus this Justin Jefferson. And then you throw in um, Kyle Rudolph as well, really good tight end. Where they struggle is in the offensive line. Their guards are not that great. Their center's average. They got a rookie uh, tackle. I think we can get after them. I think we're going to hold up against the run. We better because we we're we're going to have to force the the pass. If they throw for four hundred yards again, and we win. What's our record against four hundred yard passers? Nine and zero, baby. Nine and zero. So wh- I'm fine with ten and zero. <laughs> and let's go to five and zero in the season. The thing that scares me about. Jefferson is that it makes Thielen that much better because yeah. Thielen had his best games when Stephon Diggs was the guy. Yeah. Thielen, he can be a number one, but I feel like he's more comfortable as a number two. And yes. Jefferson leads the team in, in yards, and I think it's going to open up the game for Adam Thielen. So uh, we'll see. And then because they go on their, their their two tight end sets, they play big boy football. Two tight end sets, they only have two guys releasing. So that means that we're going to be in our base. That yes. means Cody Barton's going to be out there, mm, KJ, we'll we'll Bobby. See. We'll see. It, at least in theory, mm-hmm. they will be in their base. When you when you talk about personnel, two tight end sets, you're going to have your base out there. We'll see what the Seahawks do. If they get into their base, they stay in their base, then I think that's going to be an issue. Okay, so I'm going to throw this at you because I, I actually I, I love and hate when a team blocks eight guys up and, and throws two wide receivers downfield. I, I love it because if I, if I got a really smart secondary, I go, okay, this is a no-brainer. <laughs> I mean, guys, once we see this, we lock up. We, we just double. We pass this thing off. It's a no-brainer. But I, you've got to know it's coming. Yeah. Uh, on the flip side, I hate it because they have so much time to throw. And at some point, a really good receiver will find a way to get open. So let's throw it at you. You're, you're, you're coaching this team right now, and they run a lot of two, three-man routes. Are you comfortable with the Seahawks playing that type of defense? Base? I, it, I'm thinking we're going to be base because they're going to come out in two tight ends. Yeah. Look, third down, we're going to be a nickel no yeah. matter what. But let's let's talk for a second down. Play action, the bootlegs, these two, three men. And by the way, we have been susceptible susceptible to that in the past. Yeah. The reason why I'm okay with it, at least to start. Now, once you get beat, you keep getting beat. You have to adjust. You got to get out of it. I'm okay to start because I want guys who can tackle on the football field. I want guys who can get in the box because what they're going to do is they're going to go misdirection, going to motion this tight end to that side. He's going to block the the back end. Dalvin Cook's going to run the other way. They're going to force, as Big Ray would say, with a phone booth boxing match. That's what they want. They want you to stay in that 
that personnel so you can do that. Now, if you bring your little guys out there, then that gives them the advantage. So I think that you have to respect the personnel and come out in that base. But once you see your guys getting getting gashed, then you have to adjust. This, this is going to be a really good test for us moving forward because we have not seen – I don't. Everything's complex. I mean, these are smart coaches, but I, but a, a complex running game. This is our first one where they're committed to the running game. They got a phenomenal running back. And again, we've got San Francisco that, you know, people say, oh, why can't you stop the run? I go because it's uh, when you see it on film, it's really difficult. Where's your gaps? They're always moving people. They're pulling people. Uh, the Rams are the same way. This is going to be if we stop this running game. I'm feeling pretty good. We will yeah. make teams one-dimensional moving forward. I mean, you've held Ezekiel Elliott to 34 yards. Todd Gurley didn't get off either. No, he's Cam not. Newton didn't get off. No. Miles Gaskin is Miles Gaskin. His best game was 60 yards this year. If you can control Dalvin Cook, who's tough, then you're looking pretty nice. Yeah, because it only takes one with him. You know, if he, you just mess up once on your read. I mean, he has a chance to go the distance. I feel really good though with or with Diggs for us. I must call him Stephon Diggs. Um, I feel really good with Diggs. Uh, he's really good tackler. A yeah. really good football player. We get Dunbar back, Adams back. Now we're playing good team defense. I, I feel like, we, again, we, we we got one of the best secondaries in the league again. And now offensively, they, they started two rookie corners last week. So I feel like Lockett and DK will be able to take care of that. We're hearing from John Clayton, or was it Matthew Caller who told us that uh, Kendris hasn't practiced this week. Yeah, so now if you, lose, if you lose Kendris, you've lost three starting linebackers for your team this year. That means everything's wide open. You got rookie corners. You got backup linebackers. The playbook should be wide open if that's the case. Yeah, this could be a high-scoring game. And it really could be. Minnesota, I'm shocked, and it's partly because their offensive line, whether I think they're 26th or 7th offensively, um, they're, they're, they're only like 350 yards a game, which, again, in the old days, 350 meant something. Today, it's like if you're not within, in the 400s, you're, you're an afterthought offensively. I, they still have, you know, Harrison Smith, I think, is one of the best safeties in the league. They've got some players there. Offensively, I already went through them all. They are skilled Everywhere. This is a dangerous football team. They got a really good coaching staff. We're going to have to play exceptional. I think it's going to be another high scoring game. All right. So to close this off, what's the score? I, yeah. <laughs> come on. Come on. Three and one. Give me, uh, give me, some, give me a nugget. Th- three and one. I mean, because you've won three and you've right. lost one. To well, your my boy. partner had one. That's your boy. My, yeah, as I a guess. team, I'm I, four and zero. Oh. Okay, as a team, I'm four and zero oh too. I'm with that. Right. Okay, we're four and zero oh as a look, team. Look, I'm averaging twenty eight. You're averaging eight. <laughs> but you're on a winning team, man. You're going to go to the Super Bowl. That's all that matters. Or you're going to win the NBA championship. Seahawks are going to win. Um, honestly, I think we're going to win by double digits. Okay. Uh, but it's going to be high scoring. Yeah, I think uh, I think it'll be a high scoring game. Double digits. I haven't seen it, and when I see it, then I'll start believing in it. But that's just not what the Hawks do. All right, all right that's it. That's all we got, man. We want to thank Matthew Caller, David Moore for joining us on the board. We have Matt Harden, and of course, the guy controlling the show, NASA Chobi. I'm Michael Bumas. He's Paul Moore. Thanks for listening, Hawks Live. See you next week. Hawks Live every Thursday from seven to nine, live on air on seven ten ESPN Seattle. Download the seven ten Sports app to get breaking news notifications on the Hawks and read the latest analysis on the Hawks at seven ten Sports dot com.